Welcome to the Siski Christian Fellowship Podcast. Our prayer is that the following verse-by-verse teaching of God's Word would bring you closer to Jesus. The Lord is so good to us, isn't He? Boy, we have so much to be thankful for. And the Word tells us that we're to be thankful in all circumstances. So we're to be thankful in all things. And so often, you know, we quote those scriptures when things are going bad. Like, oh, we can be thankful even in this because the Lord's good. And that's true. He is good. We can be thankful even when things are going sideways. But man, don't we have so much just practically to be thankful for even tonight? That we're gathered together. We can worship the Lord. He saved us. Boy, we have family and friends and food and clothing, and man, God is just so tremendously good for us, to us, and uh, man, I'm just grateful for that, and I wanted to share with you guys, you know, a, a few weeks ago, I shared that uh, we, were, we were in escrow on a new building for the church, and I want to let you guys know, praise the Lord, the escrow has closed. We have a new church home. Yeah, so the corner of Wetzel and North and boy, I tell you what, we're cleaning up and making plans, and we'll keep you guys posted. we got a lot of work to do. I'm hoping to be out of here and into that location uh, here in the next couple months after we're done with remodeling. And so, but we'll, we'll have some work days, and we'll, we'll send out some, some calls for help. Uh, but yeah, I just wanted to let you guys know, boy, what a wonderful thing to be thankful for uh, this day before Thanksgiving. God truly is, is good. Amen? So, Romans chapter 12, if you have your Bibles, flip them open to Romans chapter 12. It's, it's, we, uh, it's where we were on Sunday, uh, and it's a new section here. So, Romans chapter 12, we looked at the first couple verses, and uh, we'll do a quick review of that again tonight. But Romans chapter 12, again, it's a completely new section. So, the first five chapters of Romans, Paul really in-depth talked about justification, our need for justification, how we're justified by faith. Uh, Then in the next couple chapters, 6 through 8, he talked about sanctification. Boy, that the Lord's not done with this, that there's this transformation that's taking place in our lives, that really, you know, there's a maturing process that that the Lord is taking us each through. And then in chapters 9 through 11, we really looked at God's faithfulness to Israel and, uh, you know, applied that to our lives because we know that if God's faithful to Israel, he's going to be faithful to us. So really, you know, justification, sanctification, and God's faithfulness. All of these just really important doctrines we've been looking at. At, you know, why do we believe what we believe? Uh, And now we're getting into this new section of what do we do now with that information? Uh, Now we have all of the the doctrine. What do we do with those beliefs? And again, doctrine is just a set of beliefs. It's a a set of ideas. It's a set of beliefs. And doctrine, again, is is crucial. Because if our doctrine is sideways, right, the the, the set of, of ideas and beliefs that we hold, if our doctrine is sideways, boy, then we're susceptible to all sorts of things. Boy, we'll be grabbing a hold of, of counterfeit ideologies. We'll be grabbing a hold of things that are false and, and embracing them as they're true. So doctrine really in the Christian life is absolutely uh, crucial. Uh, and where is it that we get our doctrine from? Right? And I know you guys know this, but the truth is we look to all sorts of places uh, for doctrine. We say, well, you know, maybe we should, should look to how we feel or, or, or where our heart leads us or what my personal perspective is or what, what's culturally popular. But our emotions, boy, they're fickle. Uh, 
at best, they're fickle. They're all over the place. All I'm saying is don't ask me for any advice when I'm hungry. I mean, all bets are off. Uh, Our emotions are all over the place for all sorts of reasons. Uh, What about our heart, right? The Disney model, just follow your heart. Uh, You know, what does Jeremiah say about the heart? He says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Uh, so that's not a good place to, to kind of put together our, our doctrine, why we believe what we believe. Uh, what about our own personal perspective? Our own personal perspective, again, is so limited. Well, we don't know what tomorrow holds. We look at things that are good and say, well, that's good, but we don't know what the ramifications are. We look at things that are bad. They could be good. We don't know what the ramifications are. A couple weeks ago, when we were going through Romans 8.28, I told you guys a story of the the, the Chinese farmer, that old Chinese parable. Remember when the Chinese farmer, his, his horse ran away and all of his neighbors said, oh man, that's terrible. And then the next day that horse brought back another horse. So now instead of having one horse, he had two. And his neighbors said, oh, that's wonderful. And then his son went to train that new horse that was such a blessing and his son broke his leg. And all of his neighbors said, oh man, that's terrible. But then the day after that, there was a war that broke out, and all the young men got recruited because the farmer's son broke his leg. He didn't have to go, and all of his neighbors said, oh, that's terrific. And then off to war, all the young men went, and they fought bravely, and they won the battle, and they all came home, and they got their rewards and their accolades and all of their glory. But because the farmer's son didn't go, he didn't receive any of that. So you say, oh, man, what a bummer. And you just go on and on and on with this. But, but we don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know. We don't have the perspective. And so we can't trust our perspective. Uh, you know, we can't trust what's culturally uh, uh, appropriate because the culture is all over the place. So where is it that we uh, get our principles? Where, where do we, uh, you know, what are the things that we build our lives on? Where do we get the beliefs that we build our lives upon? And we get them from Scripture. Right, guys, we're all of those things, right? Our emotions, they're shifting sand, right? Culture, shifting sand. My heart, shifting sand. Uh, but you know what's not shifting sand? The Word of God. It, it's solid. It, it doesn't change. It's relevant through the generations, through the centuries. We can build our lives on what it says. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And how do we know what is of us, what is of our carnal nature, and what is of God's Spirit in us? How do we know what's right by His Word? Well, it tells us, and it's, it discerns uh, the thoughts and the intents of the heart. It, it, it pierces even to the division of soul and spirit. Boy, with surgical accuracy and precision, those things that are of us and those things that are of the Lord. So important. As to, you know, where our emotions and culture and our heart all shifting sand, God's word is solid as a rock. That's what Jesus said there in Matthew. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall. For it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, he will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and its fall was great. 
Uh, again, 2 Timothy 3.16, I tell this one to you guys all the time. Uh, all Scripture is God-breathed and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instructions in righteousness, that the man, the woman of God might be complete and thoroughly equipped for all that God has for us. So in a world that is just, man, one day this is right and the next day it's wrong and it's all over the place and I can't keep up, I'm so grateful this evening as we gather together to study God's word that God's word is solid it's unchanging, and we can build our lives on the, the ideas, the precepts, the truths found uh, in this book. Uh, again, when my emotions, when my heart, when my perception, when what's popular is at odds with what we study through God's word, man, what did Paul say? Let God be true and every man a liar. Right? When we read the truth of Scripture and, and it offends our carnal nature, we say, all right, Lord. You're God and I'm not. Uh, I might not understand, but, but you do. And so, man, what a, an honor and a privilege it is to just have God's word with us. And Paul, Paul understood the importance of doctrine. He understood how important it was that we were building our lives on truth and not something that was shifting sand. And that's, again, why he took the first 11 chapters to lay out all of those doctrines. But now we're to that place to where, again, like I said on Sunday, this is the, the portion of Romans where the rubber hits the road. This is the portion of Romans where we get to put into practice all of those things that we learned. And Paul starts in the beginning of Romans uh, 12 uh, with the best starting point of all. How are we to respond uh, relationally to the Lord? And verse 1 of Romans 12 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, we went through that section, those two verses, in depth on Sunday. If you are curious about that, you can check out that teaching. But what I do want to kind of just unpack very briefly before we move on to verses that we haven't covered yet is that Paul starts with our relationship with God. As we make our way through the remainder of Romans chapter 12 tonight, we're going to look at how we are to respond as Christians Right? We have the doctrine, now we're going to apply it to our lives. How are we to uh, behave ourselves as Christians in ministry, uh, to each other, to uh, those in the world, even to our enemies? And like I said on Sunday, our relationship with God is key in our relationships with others. Our, our relationship with God is key in, in how we deal with uh, our ministry, our relationship with the Lord is key in how we deal with one another, how we deal with the world, how we deal with uh, our enemies. And the, the vertical relationship affects the horizontal relationship. Uh, those two things are inextricably linked. They're connected. Uh, and a byproduct of a, a good walk, a good relationship with the Lord, is good relationships horizontally. And how can I relate rightly to my wife or to my kids or to you know, uh, my boss or uh, to whatever, fill in the blank, if I don't have a right relationship with the Lord? It's going to be very, very difficult. And so Paul says, listen, our first duty as Christians, boy, really is to respond to the Lord in appropriate way. And Paul goes through, he says, you know, that 
you know, we are to, uh, by the mercies of God, present our bodies as a living sacrifice. You know, and we talked about that on Sunday, and so I won't unpack that. But, but Paul really says, listen, our, our reasonable service unto the Lord, the way that we should respond, what's the, what's the reasonable way that we should respond to the Lord after all that he's done for us, all of his mercies, is just total surrender. To be sold out for the Lord, to be surrendered to the Lord in body, in mind, and in our will. And that's step number one as a Christian, to be surrendered to the Lord. So if you skip step one and you jump right into step two, you're going to find your walk as a Christian tremendously frustrating and tremendously difficult as you try to walk these things out that Paul is saying. Because again, our strength doesn't come from ourselves, it comes from uh, the Lord, and if we're not walking rightly with the Lord, the rest is going to be uh, very difficult. And so uh, we talked about this on Sunday. How is it that that we are surrendered to God uh, in body, mind, and will? How do we grow in the Lord? That and just by starting our day, saying, "Lord, this day is yours. I was bought with a price. I belong to you. What would you have me to walk out today and to be led by your Spirit, to be connected to the Lord in prayer?" And fellowship one with another in his word, in worship. Those things really are key. And so now Paul, after establishing that that first step, most important step, we took a whole Sunday to look at two verses. Now Paul's going to to move on to, boy, how are we to uh, behave ourselves as Christians when it comes to uh, ministry, uh, spiritual gifts? And he picks that up in verse 3. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having then gifts uh, differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them, if prophecy Let us prophesy in proportion to our faith or ministry. Let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. And so after Paul, you know, shows us, teaches us how we're to relate with God, now he says, how do we relate to each other and how do we relate to each other in ministry? And I love that, that Paul starts out this section really by saying, hey, don't think of yourselves more highly than you ought to. Because, you know, Paul is now getting into this section of spiritual gifting. What are the things that we're talented at? What are the things that you're good at? What are the things that the Lord has gifted you in? And, you know, there is a propensity, there's a temptation Uh, you know, to think more highly of yourself than you ought to when you're good at something. Uh, It's funny, just before church, you know, some of the ladies and Sky, they're all in there playing. There's this competition that broke out with a a word search. And Sky, uh, you know, our youth pastor, super competitive little turd who I love with all my heart, but he's, oh, yeah, you know, look, we did this word search, and I just blew everybody out of the water. And one of those ladies like, hey, you know, slow down. Who do you think you are? And I said, hey, don't think too highly of yourself. It was just funny because we were right there and I was able to do that. But when we have done something good, when we feel like we're good at something, there is that tendency to think, boy, I am pretty awesome, aren't I? I mean, did you see that, that first place trophy? I'm awesome. But Paul says, be sober-minded. And I like that because 
when we are thinking that we are better than we are, but our thinking is clouded. It's not clear. We got our head in the clouds. Paul says, be sober-minded. Think clearly. Don't have an inflated self-view. There's no place for that in the Christian life. And that's what Paul's saying. Man, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to. So as Christians, are we to think that we are individually amazing? Boy, I'm so awesome. Boy, I'm good at this and that, and God is lucky to have me. No, the Bible says the exact opposite. What does the Bible say? Paul says this in Philippians chapter 2. He says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. As Christians, we're to esteem others better than ourselves. We're to say, wow, you are amazing. Look at what the Lord has done and let others build you up. Don't build yourself up. Don't be the person always patting yourself on the back and, you know, be the one-upper. Have you guys ever been around a one-upper? Boy, you got a story to tell and, boy, they've done it better, they've done it faster, they've done it longer. And he's like, all right, geez, I'm just... Man, be one who builds somebody else up. And that's what, what Paul is saying. Hey, don't be... Uh, thinking more highly of yourself as you ought to. And then there in Philippians, he goes on to use Jesus as an example. And he says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. See, the opposite of thinking that we're amazing is, is humility. To just be humble. And our greatest example of humility is Jesus. Jesus is the king of all creation. He, he's the one who spoke the world into existence. He was on his throne in glory in heaven, and he left all of that to come and become a man. He entered humanity into our filth and into our sin. Today, I'm here. Uh, and just humility to, to save us. And so that's the mind that we are to have. Remember when Jesus was in the upper room with his disciples? And it was the night before he was going to be crucified. And there Jesus had told the disciples over and over again, Hey guys, listen, I'm going to die. Don't worry, I'm going to be resurrected on the third day. But there, the night before Jesus was crucified, all of his disciples were doing what? Remember, they were arguing about who was going to be greatest in the coming kingdom. I'm not going to be, you're not going to be great. I'm going to be great. You're not going to be Jesus' right-hand man. I'm going to be Jesus' right-hand man. And they were so full of pride. They were doing exactly what Paul tells us not to do. They were thinking so highly of themselves, they thought, of course I'm going to be Jesus' right-hand man. I'm Peter. I'm amazing. But because they were so full of themselves, they neglected the most basic of hospitality practices, I guess you could say. You know, in that region, it's hot, and it's, you know, they wear sandals, and so feet get gnarly. I mean, it's winter now, but I mean, just think back a couple months to flip-flop feet. You know, August, just gnarly, gross. And so when they would come in and, and eat together and hang out together, very close quarters, and they would be reclining around a small table. So everybody's nasty feet would be front and center. So it was gross. You know, you have someone come into your house. Anybody have a shoes-off rule at their house? We have a shoes-off rule at our house, and I break it constantly. My wife is so kind and forgiving. Uh, but there was definitely a, a custom. It was like our shoes-off custom. You would wash your guests' feet 
when they came in so that people wouldn't be sitting around with just nasty, stinky feet. But they were so busy thinking that they were so awesome that no one would do that. And so you remember what Jesus did? He put the towel around his waist, and while they're out, he just started washing their feet. And that's how we are to be as Christians. Don't think that we're above service. Don't think we're better than other people. But be humble, like Jesus was. And so Paul says, man, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to. Uh, but, but be humble. Stay humble in regard to our giftings. Uh, why? Because Paul goes on. It's by faith that we serve the Lord. Uh, it's by faith. We've all been given different measures of faith. We've all been given different uh, giftings, different degrees of giftings and talents and abilities. And so the, those things are gifts. We ought not to be down on others for gifts they don't have. And we ought not to think that we're awesome because we have gifts that other people don't have. Uh, because there are many members of the body. And Paul goes into this section speaking of us as the church body. Right? We are the body of Christ. You guys hear, you know, churchy people and pastors and Christians say that all the time. We're the body of Christ. Well, where does that come from? Well, it comes from these passages. This is what Paul says. He likens us as individuals with our gifts and talents as the body of, of Christ. Or not as the body of Christ, but as a physical body. And just like in your body and mine, I have eyes that see and I have ears that hear and a tongue that tastes and talk and toes that help me walk, all different things. We all have different gifts and talents that make the body of Christ go around. And what would the the body of Christ look like if we were all thumbs or all toes or all ears? And I'm so glad that we all have different giftings and talents that complement and support one another. And that's what Paul is saying. Hey, don't be too haughty about the gift that you have because without the other gifts and talents around you, man, you'd be up the creek, buddy. You wouldn't be that awesome if you were all by yourself. And uh, I I really like uh, that picture that Paul paints for us. Uh, it's important for us to understand that. So we all have different giftings, but all together, boy, we all make up the body. Not one is, is better than the other. And in that, boy, we all affect each other. We all support each other. That's what Paul says. He says that, that really we need each other, that we're members one of another, that we're all connected as the body of Christ. Uh, and so... Um, it's important when one of us is lacking, boy, it affects everybody. When one of us is hurting, when one of us is, is falling or failing, it's so important. It's just like your physical body. You, you have everything trucking just right. You can be completely healthy, and then you stub your toe. And your whole body is like, oh, the toe, my toe. My whole life is disrupted because of my toe. But don't think that you're too, that you're, don't think too highly of yourself. Right? Because we all have a crucial role to play. Also, Paul goes on to say that our giftings, they're gifts from God. That's why they're called giftings. <laughs> they're gifts, and a gift by definition is not something that we earn or something that we deserved. Right? All of our giftings are given to us by grace. Undeserved, unearned, unmerited favor. Why were some of us born with certain gifts and others born with... I don't know. That's just the gift that God... Gave us, And so, you know, you can't really brag about something that you, you didn't earn. You can't really brag about a gift that you didn't even deserve. By definition, a gift isn't earned. And so, Paul says, don't get too big for your britches. 
Don't think you're, 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 you're better than you are just because you have a gifting, uh, because that, that talent is given to you by God. And I've had this conversation with people and said, hey, listen, that ability that you have to earn money in that way or to, to paint that or to do whatever, that is a gift from God. And said, well, yeah, God gave me the ability, but, but I developed it. It's because of all my hard work. And, and you know, I love when people say that because they say, hey, congratulations. But before you break your arm, patting yourself on the back, right, where did you get the, the, the energy and the time and, you know, the, the patience and the endurance to develop that skill? It's a gift from the Lord. There's no other way to look at it. And so we all have different gifts. And Paul would actually go on to say in 1 Corinthians 12 that all the gifts that are given to us are by the discretion of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Paul says, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So we can't brag. God's the one who gave them to us. But Paul goes on to say also that we're to use our gifts Uh, there at the end of verse 6, he says, let us use them. God gave you giftings, not so that you could bury them or hide them away. God gave you gifts so that you could use them to the best of your ability to bring God glory. See, the world, they use their giftings to bring themselves glory. Did you know that all of the, the, the talented people in the world, all the gifts that they possess also came from God? But what did they do with their gifts? They glorify self, self, self. And they are some of the most miserable people on the planet. They have everything going for them. And then you read these interviews, you're like, I just feel like there's something missing. There is. His name is Jesus. He's the one who gave you the gift that you're using to glorify yourself. See, we are to use our gifts and talents. We're to use them. I don't know what the Lord has gifted you with. And that's something that we wrestle out with as Christians. Boy, what's my gifting, Lord? Explore. Find out. I don't know what that is. That's between you and the Lord. But I can tell you this. You're just supposed to use the, the gifts and the talents that the Lord has given you to glorify his name. But understand this, that our gifts and talents, they're not just for the Lord. We are to use them to glorify his name. But do you know that the Lord has given us gifts and talents really to bless each other, to bless the body? That's what Paul says, that... Boy, someone's having a bad day in there, and somebody knows who it is. Isn't that interesting? A mama knows. I'm sorry, I'm not to embarrass anybody, but moms, they're good. They know their babies cry. Uh, but Paul tells us uh, that our, our, the, the, the body, it blesses uh, the body, that those giftings that we have, they're not only to glorify the, the Lord, but they're to bless the body. Boy, I hope she's okay. Um, So we being many, one body in Christ, and individually members of another, having gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them, uh, if prophecy needs, just goes on to say that, but but understand that the Lord gave you those gifts and talents for us, to bless each other as part of the body, to to, to build up and to to bear fruit. An apple tree doesn't eat its own apples. It bears fruit for others, and we're to bear fruit for others uh, also, and so... Uh, whatever that is, um, and use it for the Lord. And know that it's your gifting. And your gifting is going to be different than my gifting. Uh, that's just the way that it goes. And we live in a world where we are constantly comparing ourselves to one another. Social media has absolutely ramped that up to the hilt. That we're always comparing our lives to other people's lives. And in the church, boy, that's leaked in. And we constantly compare the gifts and talents that we have to, to the gifts and talents that other people have. And uh, it does no good 
to wish that you have a talent that you, men, use the talents that God has given you uh, to serve him, to bless others. And again, I don't know what that is. Uh, but I tell you what, man, uh, I can work. I, I'm a champ at pushing a broom. I like hanging out with kids. I love teaching the Bible. I can play the guitar. And so I use those things to serve the Lord. Whatever gifts you have, and those are gifts that the Lord has given you, use those to serve the Lord. Uh, Paul goes on to talk about how we're all part of the same body. I mean, when you talk about the body, we're all one body. We're all on the same team. Uh, so often we can uh, get into this competitive mode where we're, instead of working together and building each other up, we're competing against each other. It's not God's plan for the church. Well, he's given us different giftings, not to compete against each other, but to complement each other, uh, to work side by side. Uh, and it's important. Uh, we're all a different piece of the puzzle. And if one piece of that puzzle is missing, then we're, we're not complete. Uh, anybody put together puzzles? Puzzle people? Yeah, my daughter is a puzzle person. I, I've put together like one puzzle in my entire life, and I think that was on, on a camping trip on the coast. And on that camping trip on the coast, we got to the very end of the puzzle, and it's missing a couple pieces. And I thought, oh boy, that's just going to be the end of the world. Man, we did all this work, and, and now we don't, and we're looking everywhere, and guess what? Somebody stole the last two pieces, so she could be a part of putting it together. I won't say who that individual was, Audrey Rose, but... <laughs> But all of the pieces of the puzzle are important. And when one's missing, it, it makes a big difference. And so, uh, again, it, it's super important for us to understand. And we're the body. We have different giftings. They come from the Lord. We're to use them to complement each other, not to compete against each other. And we're to use our giftings, uh, and we're not to worry about the giftings that we don't have. All of these things. And then Paul goes on to list uh, seven gifts that we're going to talk about here briefly. This is not going to be an exhaustive study of these particular gifts. And also, I'd like to point out that these aren't all the gifts. Like, you don't have to, you know, put yourself into to these particular categories, um, although we probably could. But there's, there's more gifts, and they're, they're listed. 1 Corinthians 12 lists it. It's a, another section of Scripture that we'll get to uh, here soon. Well, not probably real soon, but soon enough. Uh, and we'll, we'll go through those then. But he, he talks about prophecy, as this first gift. And you know, this is kind of a controversial one in the church. Because you say, oh, prophecy. And I talk about Bible prophecy. I love prophecy in the Old Testament. I love the prophecy that we find in scriptures. And I've shared with you guys that prophecy is one of the elements that sets the Bible apart from all other religious writings. Is that the Bible calls things out in specificity thousands of years before they ever take place. And then they come to pass exactly the way they were predicted to. And so that's Bible prophecy. That's, that's pro the Old Testament prophets. But what Paul is talking about here as he talks about the gift of prophecy is not necessarily the ability to predict the future. Uh, this gift of prophecy that Paul is speaking about is less about foretelling and more about forthtelling. It's more about proclaiming God's truth, and that's really what it means, and that's what prophets of God would do. They would proclaim God's truth. And so when you see prophet, don't think of somebody that, oh boy, tomorrow at 11.32, you're going to have tacos for lunch. Oh man, it's a, it's a word from the Lord for me. That's not the kind of prophecy that's being spoken of. It's one who's boldly proclaiming God's truth. And we need to understand that because we can get mixed up. And there's, there's people who love the Lord who get confused in that area. And I've had people tell me and prophesy over my life, and they have been completely just dead wrong. And they were stabs in the dark because they were trying to figure out our, their gifting. 
And there's a danger in that. We get so desperate to find out what our gifting is that we go out in these places. And here's the thing with saying, hey, thus saith the Lord, such and so forth and so on, and then that's wrong, that would make you a false prophet. You know what they did with false prophets in the Old Testament? That was the death sentence. And so you have to be careful. That's not really what's being spoken of here necessarily. And, you know, I always like to tell people, man, I know when people come to me and say, I know God's plan for you. I know what God's plan is for your life. I say, thank you very much. I'll let you know when he tells me, right? Because I have a direct line to the Lord too via the Holy Spirit. And that's the thing that we got to understand. And so this gifting of prophecy, it really is the gift of proclaiming uh, God's truth uh, in that sense. Again, more about foretelling than it is foretelling. Uh, then he goes on to talk about ministry. Uh, what does it mean to have the gift of ministry? It's really just practical service. Uh, teaching would be to give instruction, exhortation, encouragement to practice that instruction. Giving is generosity. And I have met some people that have the gift of generosity. And the Lord just flows through them. It blows me away how they're just... You have heard the term, you can't outgive God. And I have met people in my life, and they just flat can't outgive God. They just give, and they give, and they give, and they're so generous, and they're anonymous givers most of the time. And it's just amazing to see that gifting work. Uh, mercy or leadership, you're to be diligent if you have the gift of leadership, not to be lazy. Uh, mercy, you're to be, uh, do that gladly. But whatever gifts uh, we have, we're to exercise them faithfully as stewards unto the Lord. And so, uh, you know, first step, Paul says, hey, to be in, in this uh, applying the doctrine that he taught us, the first 11 chapters, and be surrendered to the Lord. Secondly, this is the way we behave as Christians. We serve the Lord with the gifts and talents that he's given us. Remembering we don't think too highly of ourselves. We're one body, and we're to work together. One's not better than the other. Um, super important stuff. And now Paul gets into this next section, how we're to behave, really just as Christians, uh, one with another, uh, with the world. Uh, how is our character supposed to be? And in verse 9 he says, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. And Paul's going to hit us like rapid fire with a bunch of really just short exhortations, uh, commandments, really. Uh, cling to what is good, be kindly affectionate towards one another with brotherly love, uh, in honor giving preference to one another, not lagging uh, in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing, uh, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind towards one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil 
with good. So now Paul gets into this section of how we are to behave as Christians. And he lists like 20, 22, 23 different, uh, again, commandments, short exhortations. And he starts out by saying, love without hypocrisy. And really, you can't, I mean, true love is free of hypocrisy. I mean, uh, hypocritical love would be a disingenuous love. So Paul is saying, really, just, just love with sincerity. And the word he uses for love in this first little section where he, he begins to now tell us how we're to, to really live in relationship with one another is agape. And love without, without hypocrisy. Agape is that word for love. And agape is an unconditional love. It's a love that God has for us. It's a, a love that is not predicated on performance. It's a love that just loves, and that's what Paul says. And love without hypocrisy. Have an unconditional love one for another. Abhor what is evil and love what is good. Abhor means to loathe. I loathe, I hate. We're to hate the things that God hates. Sin, wickedness, evil. We're to hate those things because God hates them. And we're to love the things that God loves. See, here's the thing. Even when... What God says he hates. We're like, I don't know if I hate that. We are to hate that because God hates it. We're to love things because God loves them. Because God is the author of morality. And, and this is a, a, a place that we've really gone sideways in our society. That we've really made the mistake in our culture of seeing God through the lens of society. Instead of really seeing social matters through the lens of God's word. And again, when we are in disagreement, when we are offended by what the Bible says, we are to come in line with what the Word says. There's all sorts of things that are socially acceptable that we celebrate as human beings that God says, man, I hate that. And by the way, do you know why God hates those things? Do you know why God hates sin? He's not just some cosmic killjoy sitting up on a cloud saying, I don't want you to have any fun. He hates sin because sin hurts us and he loves us. And so keep that in mind. Uh, that's what Paul says, man. Love the things that God loves and hates the things that, that God hates. Uh, turn from evil and cling to God. Be kind. Uh, uh, have brotherly love. Now Paul uses a different term for love. Uh, phileo. Uh, four different terms for love. Uh, agape is one. Phileo is uh, another. We won't get into a study of the words of love. But phileo is not an unconditional love. It's a brotherly love. Philadelphia. The city of brotherly love. I haven't been there lately. You look at the news, they don't seem all that brotherly. But Paul says, man, you're to have a brotherly love towards one another. Don't be cold. Don't be standoffish. Don't have an attitude. Uh, but, but brotherly love. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. Right? And we are family. We can sing that. Like, really, to each other. We're family. Uh, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. And we're to have each other's backs. We're to be there. We're to support each other. Uh, we're to love each other. We're willing to go to bat for each other. We're willing to call each other out. Uh, that's what it means, just like you would a brother or sister. Um, we're family. Uh, we're to, to serve the Lord. Paul goes into talking about the way we're to serve the Lord diligently, not being lazy, not half-hearted. We're to be fervent in spirit, which means zealous or excited, or literally to be boiling over, bubbling over. When when people see your service to the Lord, are you bubbling over? You're like, man, I'm serving the Lord. This is, uh, and we're to just be boiling over. Uh, we're to be rejoicing in hope. Uh, the joy of the Lord is my strength. We're to be people who are filled with joy. And I know that life is difficult. Jesus said that life will be hard. He promised us that it would be. But as Christians... 
our joy is not predicated on our health. Our health is fleeting. Youth is fleeting, unfortunately. We all wish we could stay young forever. And the older I get, and the more wrinkles and gray hairs that pop up in my beard, I say, wow, I am. It's happening. They said it would happen, and I didn't believe them, and now it's happening. Youth is fleeting. But our joy isn't predicated on our health or our youth or our finances or relationships. Our youth is predicated on what? On Jesus. And he is not fickle. He does not change. He does not fade away. And so uh, that's why Jesus, after he said, man, in this world you'll have tribulations, he says, be of good cheer, for I've overcome the world. Our joy is outside of our circumstances. Uh, Paul goes on to say, be patient in tribulation. Man, tribulation is deep trouble. It's trouble. Uh, In affliction, man, God has us. Steadfast in prayer, we're to pray without ceasing. Uh, The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We're to be people of prayer as Christians. Uh, To help the needs uh, of Christians. We're to help each other out. We're to be there when when there's a need in the body, we're to meet that need. Now, there's a difference between a need and a want, and I just want to point that out. Because there are those in the body, again, who have adopted the ideology of the world uh, of entitlement. And we all want to be comfortable all the time and... And there's a difference between a need and a want. And there's a young man, and I don't even remember who it was, so if it's you, I'm not pinning you to the wall. I don't even remember. Uh, But there was a young man who came to me uh, two, three years ago when we had a wood ministry. He said, hey, I heard you guys have a wood ministry. Young guy in his 20s. You know, he can do the work. I was just going to see if I could get a load of wood. And I was like, okay, like I was expecting for your mom or for your grandma. For who? Oh, for me. I just don't want to go cutting wood. Man, go cut firewood. Right? That's the word to tell young guys. We... And that's what it is. We meet the needs. If you need firewood, man, call us. We'll get you some firewood. And I mean that. If you need firewood, we'll get you some firewood. But if you're a young guy, I'm going to make you go cut your own firewood. <laughs> Unless you're a young guy who's, you know, chopped off his foot or you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, but we're to take care of each other's needs. Hospitality. We're supposed, to be ho- we're supposed to be friendly. Pursue friendliness. I talk to people sometimes like, man, it's so hard to make friends. Well, are you being friendly? If you want friends, be friendly. That's what Proverbs tells us. Uh, Then he talks about blessing those who persecute us. Boy, he definitely understood the Sermon on the Mount. Bless those who persecute you. He he really uh, is is picking up on what Jesus taught about loving our enemies. Uh, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Notice Paul didn't say be jealous of people who have, uh, you know, are having a a great time. Sometimes people rejoice. We're like, oh, man, that's awesome. I'm just over here. Life is falling apart. I'm glad that you got a raise, man. I'm drowning in my bills. Praise the Lord, bro. No, we're to rejoice. We're to weep with those who are weeping. Paul doesn't say, hey, you know what? Fix those who are broken. Uh, Give suggestions to... Sometimes you just need to be a shoulder to cry on. That's a big one that I... I, I struggle with. I always want to fix people's problems. And sometimes they just need you to pray with them. Remember that. Uh, be of the same mind towards one another. Live in harmony. Be in agreement. Uh, don't be difficult. Don't be high-minded. We touched on that. Paul already talked about that. Don't be wise in your own opinion. Don't repay evil with evil. Uh, have regard for good things. Uh, in the sight of all men, that is just do the right thing. Uh, I love this one. Live peaceably. Uh, with all men as much as possible, as depends on you. But you know what? Paul says, live uh, peaceably with all men. But he understood. There's some men that don't want to live peaceably with us. So you do the best that you can. You can't control other people. Uh, All you can do is control you. So just do your best to live peaceably with other people. Uh, Don't avenge yourselves. Don't take matters into our own hands. Uh, God is the judge. Uh, 
you know, David was a great example of that. Saul, he had the opportunity to take Saul's life multiple times, but he said, I'm not going to avenge myself. I'm going to let the Lord do that. Uh, and then Paul talks about how we're to, to treat our enemies in this last little uh, section. Um, that instead of trying to take out our enemies, what does he say? He, he says, you know, uh, feed your enemy if they're hungry. Uh, if he's thirsty, give him a drink. And into doing, you will uh, heap coals of fire on us. Now, that's kind of a weird thing to say, oh, you know, uh, you're going to heap coals of fire upon your enemies by being good to them. There's lots of different takes on that from, you know, the ancient practice of being remorseful for something that you've done to God's going to pour out his wrath on them to uh, really the idea, you know, when you're just, when someone's fighting with you and you don't fight back and you're just kind instead, what kindness brings a burning conviction on them. Really, it's a phrase we're not sure. But the one that I like is uh, this one, and this is where we'll leave it, that there was this practice of sharing coals from the fire with a neighbor who didn't have coals. And you would give them coals, and they would carry them back to their fire and start their fire, and that's the idea. And that really goes in line with what Jesus talked about. They're hungry, feed them, they're thirsty, uh, you know, give them a drink. If their fire went out, help them out. Let the Lord deal with, with, with all of that stuff that, that's on the Lord. And... Um, Really, Paul ends, don't be overcome with evil, but be overcome with good. So it's like rapid fire, rapid fire, rapid fire, rapid fire. Now, all of these things that we talked about, all of these ways that we're to respond, respond to God, respond to ministry, respond to each other, right? understand that these are not things we're doing to earn God's favor. These aren't things that we're doing to earn salvation. These are things that we're doing in light of the fact that we've been saved, in light of the fact that God has been so good to us, Lord, I want to be surrendered to you. I want to serve you in ministry. I want to represent you in our community. They're not things that we do to be saved, things that we've done in light of being saved. Important to get that straight. Secondly, these are not things that we just muster up our own energy and I'm just going to be a nicer neighbor. I've tried that. It doesn't work. I'm still cranky. It's just who I am. In my carnal nature, your pastor is a cranky individual. I'm just being honest with you. But we're not called to be, you know, good neighbors in, all, in, in our own strength. We're, we're to be changing and we're to be transformed in the Lord. And praise God, I'm not where I was when he found me. Man, that's a miracle that he's done. But if I rely on my own energy to walk these things out that we talked about, boy, I'm going to be a miserable failure. See, again, it's by the power of God being connected to the Lord. And it's by the power of his Holy Spirit that we accomplish these things. Uh, fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those are fruits of the Spirit. And the closer we are to God, the more this stuff comes pouring out of our lives. And that's the key as Christians. Don't fall into that trap of just trying to be a better person for the sake of being a better person. But the more that we love Jesus, the more time that we spend with Jesus, the more we'll be like Jesus. You remember David, King David? Man, before he was... Uh, the, the sitting king. He had been anointed king. He was on the run from King Saul. And he was living in caves and, and, and on the run for his life. But there was a band of men that gathered themselves around King David. And they were a bunch of ragtags. They said they were in debt. They were, they were grumpy. They were, all, they, were, they were just having issues. But the more they spent time with the king, the more they became like the king. 
And, and that's what we've been called to do. The more we spend time with Jesus, the more these things will just come naturally. So as you leave here, come, don't walk out with a guilt trip thinking these are things you have to do that God will uh, then approve you or love you. He already loves you. These are things we get to do because he saved us. And secondly, don't think that these are things that we do in our own energy. In my carnal nature, most of these things, I'm like, oh, Lord, really? But then he's called us to him. He will give us the strength to do them. And, hey, you want to talk about a good time for some practical lessons on how to live as Christians. Tomorrow's Thanksgiving. Lots of us will be in situations socially with people that we may like or not like or have to put on a face. What a good opportunity to say, hey, I'm going to walk these things out. I'm going to be agreeable. I'm going to be peaceable. I'm going to be loving. I'm not going to hold a grudge. And do those things by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we just enjoy a day tomorrow freed of And isn't that just freeing, though, when you read these things? It is exhausting to hold a grudge. It's exhausting to be grumpy. And let's just walk with Jesus and act like Jesus. Amen? Amen. So, Lord, again, day before Thanksgiving, we're so grateful. We're so thankful for all that you are in our lives. And I pray tomorrow, Lord, that as we are interacting socially in lots of different degrees, in situations that really oftentimes just come once a year, twice a year, Lord, that we would be good representatives of you, that we'd walk these things out and that we wouldn't try to do them to earn your favor, that we wouldn't try to do them in our own energies. But Lord, because we're just close to you, help us to stay close to you. Help us to walk near to you. And even like David's mighty men, Lord, as we spend time with our king, may we become more like our king. We love you, Lord. Thank you for your word. Thank you that we can build our lives on it. That's just practical uh, instruction for us, Lord, and that there's a blessing when we walk in accordance with it. So, again, we love you. We're so grateful. Just pray for everybody's day tomorrow, Lord, again, as we gather together. We have so much to be thankful for. Thank you for your goodness towards us, and most of all, Lord, thank you for your son, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this teaching of God's Word presented by Siskiyou Christian Fellowship. We pray it's blessed you and given you a greater understanding of the Bible. To learn more about us, visit siskiyouchristianfellowship.com.